in Acts chapter number two, for those who want to turn there or you can read it on the screen. We will have it for you. Acts chapter two, uh, beginning at verse number 40, and we'll read down through verse number 47. And it reads, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. How many know that's big? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believe were together, everybody say together, and had all things in common, everybody say common, and sold their possessions, goods, and divided them among all, everybody say all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, everybody say daily, daily. those who were being saved. Pray with me. Father, we bless you. We love you. We thank you for your word. Will you please help us, Lord, to understand Father, what we need to do, how we need to function as a people so that we can operate in a very, very glorious way and that Jesus, you would be glorified. So, Lord, we uh, position our hearts. We're here to listen and receive what the Spirit is saying to the church. Father God, we just pray that you would just help us to have a good time Father God, as we celebrate and enthusiastically welcome the word of God to invade our space this morning and change us and make us more of what you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. I want to talk to you this morning about the subject of teamwork. I love the concept of teamwork and so... Uh, we're going to talk about that this morning. So some of you uh, sports enthusiasts, do we have any sports enthusiasts in the room? Uh, we got a couple. So you will be able to appreciate this message in a very unique way. But I want to start by saying I really believe the Foundation Church is a blessed people. Uh, we have gone through some ups and downs as a people, but God has done some amazing things. And it's amazing because anytime you see the hand of God in what you're doing, you're always excited. Amen. We see the hand of God involved in what you're dealing with, whatever it is you're going through. One of the things that we always want to see is you want to see that God want to find out where God is and make sure that he is in the midst. And so we've been a blessed people and God has done some amazing things. But how many know there's always room for improvement? That God is, how I many you know that, that God ain't finished with me yet, and God ain't finished with you yet. And so God is in the process of always uh, conforming us and making us to be the kind of people that he wants us to be. And so um, I'm of the opinion that anything that is healthy grows. Amen? Amen. Anything that is 
healthy growth. Say healthy. healthy. Uh, does anybody know who Michael Jordan is? Does anybody? <laughs> Everybody knows who Michael Jordan is. Uh, Michael Jordan, uh, coming out of North Carolina, was, was dubbed one of the, the, the best college players to play the game. But when Michael Jordan was in college, his college game was just a microcosm of what it really was when he became a pro. Uh, when Michael Jordan became a pro, he took the NBA and the whole game to a whole nother level. And I mean, everybody, I can remember times when I was in college at the time, and this is back in the 80s, and, uh, and some of you weren't even born then, but I was back in the 80s, and, and I remember I would just, every time Michael Jordan was playing on television, I had to sit by the TV, and I want to see Air Jordan. How do you know what I'm talking about? You know, Air Jordan flying over stuff. I remember the old Spike Lee commercials. How do you remember the old Spike Lee commercials? I mean, Michael Jordan was just absolutely the bomb. He was the ticket. He was the person that everybody wanted to see. We want to see Mike. You remember the story? Remember the slogan? I I want to be like who? Michael Jordan had it going on. I mean, I mean, the guy would score. At one time, I watched him play the Boston Celtics, and I watched the man score 60 points in the game. It was the most incredible performance I ever seen. And I, the whole time, I was just, it was, I was loving it. But, but you know what? Uh, until Phil Jackson came, uh, even though Michael Jordan was great, and even though he, even though he filled the stands, how do you know that you're not famous until you win? championships. See, it's all about championships, right? So then Phil Jackson comes on the scene. Now, so Michael Jordan now, he's been in the league for maybe three, four, five years, and you know, he's not really, nothing's really happening yet, and all of a sudden they hire Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson comes on the scene, and Phil Jackson wants to have a conversation with Michael Jordan. Sits Michael Jordan down, he says, okay, Mike, here's what I need you to do. He says, Mike, I need you to share the ball. Now, if anybody know Michael Jordan and anything about basketball, Michael Jordan was a ball hawk. You got to understand, that's why the brother scored so many points, because he never passed the ball to anybody. So Michael Jordan was a ball hawk. And Phil Jackson said, if you want to win a championship, you're already great, Michael, but, but, but you haven't even begun to scratch the surface yet. If you really want to be great, you need the rest of your team involved in the process, right? So Michael Jordan, reluctantly, in fact, I remember uh, John Paxson, who used to play on that team, he was a shooting guard for the Chicago Bulls, very, very good guy. He could shoot, that boy could shoot. And, and I remember Paxson, they did an interview with, with John Paxson, and Paxson had said that, that you know, when, when, when Phil Jackson first came, and he told Michael that, that for a while there was some conflict, even in their practices and in their rehearsals, because Michael wasn't trying to give up that rock. For those of you who understand what that means, that means ball. I, I got to qualify that. Uh, they call the ball rock and things. Y'all, you know what I'm talking about. So, uh, so anyway, so Michael Jordan had this conversation, and uh, and sooner or later, Michael Jordan realized that if they were going to win a championship, they had to do it as a team. Phil Jackson said because what was happening was the defense was always collapsing on you, and it got to a point. Y'all, how many of you remember the Bad Boy Pistons, Detroit Pistons? Y'all remember that? So some of you may, the Pistons were bad boys. I mean, I'm not talking about back bad and they can shoot. They will break your back. They will break your neck. You try to come to the rim and do a layup, they will make you feel it. What they what they doing nowadays? It's a joke. I mean, it, I mean, they it was a whole other level with the bad. They should be called. They were called the Bad Boys. 
And so when Michael Jordan tried to come through that, they were boom, they were put that boy down. And they said, Mike, the problem is, Mike, it's because, because the whole thing is about you and, and, and you need the rest of the team. So here's what we need to do. You need to pass the ball, you pass the ball to get the other teammates involved, and then you create more threats around you. But wouldn't you know it, Michael Jordan finally, he received that counsel. And how many championships did the bull end up winning? See, if you ever see Michael Jordan, he's always walking like this. And sometimes you'll see him show his fingers. You go look up, you'll see him do like this. Well, yeah, something like six. <laughs> he won championships. Why did he win championships? Because it was about the team. It was about the team. How many know that, that God want to do an amazing work at Foundation Church? Amen? Amen. But you know, the only way we're going to do it, we're going to have to do it as a what? This is not about an individual show. How many, how many of you ever played music before, like in a band or, you know, uh, if you know the, uh, a conductor, uh, you know, when, a cut, when, when the conductor stands before a symphony orchestra, for an example, uh, you know, it's nothing that sounds better. I love, because I grew up in that, and so I love that symphonic music and that, and the, the woodwinds and all the parts playing together. Man, it makes beautiful music, doesn't it? But if the conductor is standing there, you only got one. I used to play the French horn. How many know what that is? If you just heard me play the French horn, and it was me playing, you'd be like, <laughs> there's nothing there that's going to attract you. You'd be like, what's that? I mean, it's, it's nice, but really? Um, where's it going? But when the whole thing comes together and everybody plays their part, man, we are able to make a difference, and that music sounds great. But we need everybody in here in the game. How many of you want to be in the game? Amen. See, the thing about it, in God's kingdom, this is good, y'all, this is nice. God don't have no bench warmers. If you're sitting on the bench, it's because you want to sit on the bench. How many of you, how many, how many of you ever, ever made a team and you sit on the bench? Basketball, football, I've been there, done that. It hurts. I don't like it. I want to get in the game. How many know God want his people to say, I want to get in the game? How many know pastors would love you to come and say, I, listen, I want you to come and say, pastor, I want to get in the game. I will be most gladly to put you in the game because I know that in order for me to take my game to another level, I need you. And you need me. Amen? Now, I, I, there's some interesting things here. And so we're talking about teamwork, the keys to a healthy church. Now, now, look at this in Acts chapter 2. I just want to highlight a couple of things, and then I'm going to give you eight ingredients that you must have in order to, uh, to win. How many of you want to win? How many of you like winning? Yeah, they like to joke about pastor all the time, say, pastor, yeah, I don't like to lose at nothing. I'll tell you right, right up front. And I ain't apologizing. If I beat you, if I beat you, just take it. Because I, Paul says, I fight to win. That's scripture. That's Bible. Am I right about it? Y'all read the Bible. Paul said, Paul said, I don't run. To, to, I don't be playing games. I play you. I'm playing you to beat you. That's right. In love. And I will love you while I beat you. <laughs> Amen. You come to the picnic, you'll see what I'm talking about. Amen. So, so let's look at some things here in Acts chapter 2 that we want to kind of uh, highlight here. I want you to stay with me. Uh, the first thing is, and there are some verses here, so I just want to highlight some points. In Acts chapter 2, Acts was the, the, the birth, if you will, of the New Testament church. And every time I read Acts chapter number 2, it is really a perfect picture, the verses, the passages that we're looking at, of what it 
looks like to have a church that you really want to be a part of. Amen. How many of you want to be a part of a church that's doing miracles? Y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all don't want, some of y'all, y'all help me. This group, what's wrong with y'all this morning? All right, how many of you want to be a part of a church that's doing miracles? That God is working, that people's lives are being changed, that every time you turn around, there's an expectation that God is about to do something wonderful. How many of you believe that and want that in your life? How many of you want that in your church? So, so we believe Luke wrote the book of Acts, and so here's what he says. As he, as he recorded this. But I want you to look at these ingredients. Watch this. It says, number one, they stayed in the word. Here's the ingredients to a healthy church. They stayed together. Everybody say together. together. They had all things in common. Everybody say common. common. And they were in one accord. Everybody say one accord. one accord. Now, do you see a theme there yet? Do you see that theme? They divided their stuff among each other. That's verse 45. They were happy and healthy. In other words, they were excited about what they were doing. The Bible talks about gladness of heart in verse number 46. In other words, people were excited. People were happy. People were enthusiastic about what God is doing. And then number, verse 47 says this, watch this, that they had favor with all the people. In other words, watch this. Not only were they favorable to one another, but watch this, that God gave them favor with people outside of the church. Amen? How many know that's favor? So now, so now we got that out of the way because now we're not really getting out of the way because actually this will be the foundation for these eight ingredients that I'm going to have for you, okay? So we're going to look at eight ingredients that every team, everybody say team, every team must have. Now y'all got to help me preach. So when I actually talk back to me, y'all talk back to me. I preach better. I told you, if you don't talk back to me, I'm a terrible preacher. You must talk back. Say amen. Say thank you, Jesus, something like that. Let me know that you're there. So number one, so here it is right here. You ready? Say Amen. All right, so number one, here's what you need to have if you're going to have a, a great team. Number one, you got to know the playbook. Amen? You got to know the playbook. You know, how many of you watch NFL football? How many of you love the Dallas Cowboys? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I knew it. You see, when you, when, when, watch this now. So, so when a rookie comes out of college, the first thing they do when they come out of college, what's the first thing they do? They give them a big old book, and it's called the playbook. And they can't get on the field. They are not allowed to play until they understand and know what? That playbook. That playbook determines its missions, how the organization will function, and how it will execute the plays in order to bring them success. How many know that the church have a playbook? Uh, Does anybody want to know what the playbook is? The Bible. Hallelujah. See, this is, this is our playbook. So every problem that arises in the church, what do we do? We go back to the playbook and we figure out how we're going to execute and get it right. Amen? Amen? So if there's a relational problem, what do we do? We go back to the playbook and we figure out how to work it out. If there's a financial problem, what do we do? We go back to the playbook and we figure out how it's going to happen. Now, it's interesting, but, but the New England Patriots, I'm going to talk a little bit more about them here in a second. The New England Patriots... Um, are, 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 are unique. And Bill Belichick, who's the coach of the New England Patriots, at one time I watched his ESM, ESPN special. And, uh, and Belichick, they actually showed him while he was in practice talking to one of the football players. And it was this big, one of these big, 
big offensive linemen. You know, in the NFL, they're big. They're really big. And so, and, and, and Bill Belichick, they were trying to run some plays in practice. And so Bill Belichick calls him over and he says, come here. And, and they got the mic. They got, he's mic'd up. And he, and he says to the guy, he says, look, I can't put you on the field if, if you don't know what you're doing. You, you got to know the playbook or, or you won't be able to, to, to do this. Do you understand that? And, you know, and that jumped right out at me because sometimes Christians are comfortable, too comfortable, I believe, in not knowing the playbook. How many know we should understand and know your Bible? How can you determine how you're going to live? That Bible sets you on a course to win. You see, and and watch this. And and we can't just be having any old kind of playbooks. How many know sometimes people come into church with all kind of playbooks? <laughs> Come on, somebody, y'all help me. But but this is our only playbook. This is it. So so watch it. If we're gonna have a successful church, if we're gonna have a winning church, guess what? You gotta know the playbook. You gotta know the playbook. You come to church on Sunday. You come to Bible study on Wednesday. Why do we do all that? We have fellowship together. Why do we do all that? So you can get this playbook down in your soul, so you know how to execute. It's a tragedy sometimes that people have problems. And, and the answers are right here in the word of God. How many know God has an answer? The Bible says God has given us everything we need for godliness and righteous living. Everything you need to live right is right here. Every problem you gotta have, you want to have fixed in your life, you can get it right. God, this playbook is real. And watch this. It ain't never going nowhere. Unlike the other playbook, this thing will stand forever. This will follow you to eternity. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but God says my word ain't going nowhere. Somebody ought to shout amen real loud so the devil can hear it. See, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So you know your Bible. Number two, what's the second point right here? Every good team has to have a good coach. Amen. I mean, know that, 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 that I believe you have a good coach in this church. Amen? Amen. Now, what is the responsibility of a coach? Let's kind of look at that for a moment. The responsibility of a coach, watch this. First of all, the coach is put in place by the owner, right? Of any team, when you have a team, a professional team, whatever the team is, that the owners typically will hire them a coach. And the coach then exercises or the, the coach carries out the will and the desire and the overall philosophy of where that organization wants to go. So the coach, watch this, he, 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 uh, he determines what position everybody's going to play on the field. Amen? A coach is going to analyze you to see how things are going. Somebody say amen. See, the job of the coach is to inspire you. Amen? The job of a coach is to encourage you. Somebody say amen. The job of the coach is to strengthen you. And watch this. The job of the coach is to rebuke you. Amen. <laughs> that was a hesitated amen. <laughs> so the job of the coach is to rebuke you. How many of you ever, ever played sport and you had a coach? I used to play football. And I used to hate it because every now and then the coach would be like, uh, if somebody didn't execute, do the play right, uh, Everybody gonna do push-ups. Everybody, you know, you ain't do the play right. Everybody, everybody run. Man, that, oh man, what are you doing, man? And then we try to get on this guy to get it right, you know, because you won't try to do no extra push-ups and sit-ups. And so the coach, oftentimes, and sometimes you will look at your coach not favorably. 
especially if your coach making you run some laps that you don't want to run. He's making you do a few more sit-ups that you don't want to do. But how many know that if you really want to succeed, you better listen to your coach? Because sometimes your coach will come alongside of you, and sometimes the coach, I can't do that to my wife. Sometimes the coach can stand up, son. Stand up, quick, 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 quick. I'm in a sermon, so you got to stand up. Sometimes the coach, if see you going in one direction, the coach will come and pull you back and say, no, no, you're going the wrong way. You need to go this way. Amen? You have a seat. Sometimes the coach will come, watch this. The coach's job is to come and point you in the right direction so that you know how to exercise and know how to do your part on the field. Amen? I mean, in, in every church, every church has a coach. The pastor is the coach, amen? And the owner is God the Father through Jesus Christ, amen? And the coach has been set in place to carry out the mission. Every coach, if he's called by God, have a vision and a mission from God. Every church. And look, and it's amazing to me because every now and then you have people watching y'all. y'all none of y'all do that here because y'all, y'all know better. But every now and then you have people come in and, and they say, hey, and they want to try to tell me how, how, how the other coach does it. I said, well, wait a minute. The problem with that is that's the other coach. God gave, gave, look, I got, I got a vision from what he wants me to do, so we're going to exercise this. Amen. You follow me? And so what the coach job is to do is to exercise the plays and to, and to carry out the missions of God and the personality that God has called him. Amen? So every church, you have to have a good coach. And listen, don't get mad if your coach come and tell you you're going in the wrong direction. What kind of coach, if he just let you just do it? How many of you want to be a part of a team where everybody just kind of do what they want to do on the team? How many teams win championships like that? Not many. How many of you have known of some team, professional teams, where they have all kind of problems on the team because somebody wanted to undermine the coach? You know who some of those folks are? They're there. How many of you remember Terrell Owens? I used to love Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens was a beast, but boy, that boy was cancer. He was known as a cancer. Nobody really wanted to touch Terrell Owens because he was considered a cancer because he was so divisive. And he would end up talking about the coach. He would end up talking about the football. He would all kinds of, he would rip the team apart and cause all kinds of problems. How many know you don't want to be like that? No, no, no. You want to support your coach, even if your coach make you run a little bit till you puke in Jesus' name. Y'all don't want to hear. <laughs> Sometimes the coach will make you run till you puke. But how many know it's good for you? The medicine will be good for you if it's done with the right spirit. Amen? So every team needs to have a coach. Number three, every team has to have unity. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond and peace, in the bond of peace. Now understand about the New Testament church that we read about here a moment ago. First of all, we understand that they continued in the apostles' doctrine. So in other words, they, they followed through, they understood authority, they flowed in it, and then they were unified. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that they had all things in Common. How many know that keeping the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace is, is easier said than done? That's why you had to be commanded to do it. Because it's hard to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Amen? It's challenging when you got your own personality, your own way of doing things. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking Even if you don't say amen, I know what I'm talking about. And so, so we have to endeavor. If a team is going to win on the field, how many know that team must have unity? If Foundation Church is going to be a church on the cutting edge of what God is doing, how many know we got to be unified as a people? 
And everybody in the room must be responsible to make sure that there's unity in the house. Why? Because God will not be a part of anything that is torn asunder. Anything that is ripped at the seams. Anything whereby there is no cohesiveness. Amen? How many of you want to be a part of something that's divisive, something that's ugly, and something that's losing? Yeah, I thought so. No. Easy. Nobody want to be. You want to be. You want to be a part of a winning team. So watch this. You know you can't win no championships. We can't really win as a church if we're not in unity. Amen. So we need to be in unity. Figure out a way to get in unity. You know a person who's in unity when you see one, and you know when one who's not. And you you know it. The question is, what do you do about it when you see it? See, when I was on the football team and I played and we had cancer on the team, I would go to the, I would go to the person, I'll address the cancer, Lee, you got to straighten this up because you ain't going to mess up with me. I'm trying to win. You ain't going to mess up what God is trying to do in me. You ain't going to mess up what we're trying to do here on this team because this is bigger than you. How many know that what we're doing is bigger than us? Yes. This is much bigger than us. So we got to be in unity, right? We got in order for a team to make it, we got to be in unity. Number four. Is that number one? Yes. Number four? Yes. Watch this. We have to have everybody doing their part. Watch this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. If we're going to have a successful team, everybody, everybody say, say everybody. Everybody have to do their part. And we're going to go to, we're going to read a, a verse or two here. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. I got to get there. I'm running. And I'm going to start reading in verse number uh, 4. And it says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministers, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activity, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith, everybody say faith, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirit, to another tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he will. In other words, not everybody has the same gift. Amen? So everybody have a unique part on the field. How many know that a 400-pound lineman should not want to try to be a wide receiver? <laughs> That's how sometimes in the spirit, we, we see things sometimes, and, and we like, and we look at stuff, and we think, oh, I want to do that. But, the, but, but how many know that, that you, you, need to, you need to know your lane? Amen? God has created you and gifted you with a very, very unique gift. I said before, the most people don't understand that they are originals, but, but most people spend their lives trying to be copies. You've heard me say that all the time. You are an original and you need to love yourself. And you need to understand that God has made you unique. And you have a lane. There, there is something unique about your gift. Don't try to be like me. You will never be like me. And I will never be like you. I want to try to figure out what does God call me to be? How, what is my gift? Some of you are gifted, and you, you, look, you, you just read this passage. Some of us have all kinds of gifts. But how many know that, 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 that we should affirm each other's gifts, and we shouldn't be jealous of each other's gifts? Amen? Amen. How many know on the football team, if, if Tom Brady is a quarterback, I don't need to be mad at Tom Brady because he's a quarterback, because I want to be Tom Brady. I just need to say, Tom Brady is a good quarterback, and Lord, what do I need to be doing? Because Tom Brady is a good quarterback, Amen. 
Y'all notice I'm not talking about the Cowboys because Romo, Romo has done me some, he's hurt my feelings and I'm, I'm still trying to get over that. So I'm using Tom Brady a lot. So I'm hoping this year will change, amen? So I want y'all to think I left the Cowboys or nothing, but you know, I just, you know, Tom Brady got championships, what can I say? It's about, it's about, champ, it's about championships. <laughs> so we gotta have everybody doing their part, right? We're gonna have a successful team, so get involved. Everybody who's part of a church, get involved, get in the game. Get off the bench and get in the game. What is it that you're gifted to do? We're going to be doing a survey here soon, and we're going to figure out what everybody is gifted to do. What is your gift? Some of you already know what you're gifted at, and you've been holding out. Everybody say, don't hold out. If you got a gift and you're not sharing your gift with the team, you know you're hurting the team. You know, y'all, you know you're hurting the team. You got something we need. Don't let me have to find you. <laughs> it's a picnic Sunday. We're having a good time. All right. All right. So, all right. So, number five, we only have eight of these. We got to run. All right. Number five, we must encourage and build up one another. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build up each other and build up one another just as you are doing. How many know that when I, when I play sports, uh, you know, one of the things, man, when somebody, you know, somebody get a good hit, or let's just say if you're watching on TV, how many like to see a good hit? You know, you don't want to see nobody get seriously hurt, right? But man, I'm playing, while well, I was playing football, watching football, when somebody got a real good hit, be like, whoa, man, whoa, five, five, wow, that was good. Look at that, like, wow. Or, or a basketball player get a dunk, you know, get one of them Air Jordan dunks, whoa, bam, whoa, 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 everybody, oh, man, that was good. Give them a high five. You know what we're doing? We're encouraging each other. How many know that we have to have an environment whereby we encourage and build up each other? Amen. Not tear each other down. So if somebody do a good job, why don't you go over there and say, you did a good job today. You did a good job. Man, they, who, who cooked this? Oh, you did a great job. Oh, you know, man, today you did that. That was great. When you sang that, that was great. When you played, that was great. That was awesome. We need to, how many know we need to have some high fives going into church? When somebody do good, that's how you do it. Mm. Right? You want to have an atmosphere whereby we're constantly building up each other. And so when you, how many know that we all need affirmation to some extent? Amen. We all do. And everybody in here want to know that you're making a difference. How many of you want to make a difference? I mean, you really want to make, you know that you want to, so, so watch this. We need, if we're going to have a successful team, we got to have an atmosphere where we're pumping each other up. How many know the church ought to be a place where we pump each other out? And when somebody fall down or somebody make a bad play, you know a lot of times we do in sports, you know, they go pick, hey, it's going to be all right, man. That's all right. Even though, every, and, and the fans are the rough. You know, sometimes people in the fans, you know, you know, fans are terrible. You know, I, I went to a Miami Heat playoff game this year and I was in Miami Beach. And so I'm sitting over there and it was amazing because I was, the fans, and you know, in the Miami Heat was struggling. I, I'm sorry, I, yeah, the Miami Heat, and I don't like Miami Heat. I'll just let you know that. I just went because it was history. So I don't like Miami Heat. So, so, so people up there, and I noticed that people, one minute they were, yay, and the next minute, you, man, man, you stupid, sit him on the bench. You know, and I'm like, man, fans are just brutal. But you know, they're teammates. We're on the same team. When somebody make a bad play, you don't see them over there jumping at each other. Every now and then you might see somebody act crazy. But for the most part, 
when somebody on the team don't do right or don't live up to standards, they don't, they don't go again. They don't talk. When they sit down and they have press conference, they don't slam each other. They say, well, you know, we just, we're going to get better. We're going to do better next time. We just, you know, you know I heard, I heard uh, uh, LeBron James say about Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. And he said, you know, when they were struggling, and he said, LeBron James said, and they try to get, you know, LeBron James to basically, LeBron James says, he said, look, he said, they're struggling right now, but, but they, they've been through this before. They're going to come out of this. How many know that's the way we need to talk? If you're going through a tough time, if you fall, you're going to get better. You're going to come out of this. Don't stay there. How many know we don't need to be kicking people when they're down? We need to be lifting them up. You lift people up. Every chance you get, you be a lifter up of people. Amen? You bless them. You lift them up. Don't come in because all of us, one time or another, we're going to slip and fall. Some of us don't slip and fall. We just fall. <laughs> and so, but we still need grace and mercy. Amen? Amen? And so you be a person that gives great grace and mercy. Amen? Amen? Amen. Watch this. Number six. We're coming down the wire. Number six. Uh, we need, if we're going to have a great team at Foundation Church, watch this, we, we need to stay together through the hard times. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 26 through 27, and if one member suffers, watch this, all the members suffer with it. How many know you're really connected when that happens? Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice. How many know, ain't no jealousy in the body of Christ? Because if you're suffering and you're part of my team, I'm hurting too. If you're crying, I'm crying too. Brother, it's going to be, see, too, 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 often in, in, too often in our circles sometimes that we get so caught up that we don't even sense the people that are around us that are hurting and bruised and, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and it ought not to be that way. And so, and so we need to stay together. How many know that churches go through hard times sometimes? And as a people, we'll go through hard times. People go through hard times. People have times of disagreements, amen. You heard me say early, and I prayed about the Zimmerman trial and all of the things that are going on with that. And, and I said, I mean, you can have people in the same church and people on different sides of the aisle. And then what do you do in situations like that? Because at the end of the day, we're still Christians. At the end of the day, we're still called to reach the world. At the end of the day, we have to love each other and watch this, watch this, and the, and the game must go on, Amen. Because the stakes are high. And so, so don't be a quitter. Here's what I learned. See, people, people on it, see, see, you learn character when you stay. When you stay and you don't run and you don't quit just because it gets hard. Amen. A lot of people do that. See, the easiest thing to do is when it gets hard to pick up and run. But the problem is, as long as there are people on the planet, there are going to be problems. So if you, how many know that if you leave a church with 30 or 40, do you left a church with 30 or 40 potential problems? Or if you go to one where you got 25,000 people, then there's 25,000 potential problems you're going to have. They're there. It doesn't matter. The question is, you got to learn how to deal and not be a quitter. How do I navigate my way and build relationships without running at the first sign of disagreement or when I feel uncomfortable? Amen? How many know that we're going to be a good team at Foundation? Everybody got to stay in the game. Don't be a quitter, amen? amen. Don't quit. How many know God, the Bible says endure hardness as a good soldier. We got some soldiers in here, amen? They know what it means to be a soldier. A soldier, you got to fight. You don't just quit and give up. You stay in the fight. Because this is about eternity for you. This is about eternity for us. Amen? amen. So if we're going to win, how many know we got to stay together? How many know that the New Testament church 
that they stayed together. In Acts chapter 2, you notice, we kept reading that, they stayed together. No matter what happened, they stayed together. They worked together. Watch this, and then here's, here's the next point. Which number are we? Boy, they count nice and loud today, boy. They're like, <laughs> I might throw another one in. No, I'm just kidding. Um, do what's best for the team. You want to do what's best for the team. Um, I, I said uh, Robert Kraft is the owner of the New England Patriots, right? And, and I wanted to, I told you I was going to say some more things about the New England Patriots. And, um, and, 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 and I, I don't like the New England Patriots either. I just, just go throw that out there. But one of the things... <laughs> I mean, when I say I don't like them, y'all know I like, I mean, I mean it like a sports person, not like I don't like the people. Y'all y'all know what I mean, right? You got to qualify stuff sometimes, people. But Robert Kraft in that organization, Robert Kraft is the owner of the New England Patriots. And, um, and Bill Belichick does something that I've never seen any other coach really do in the NFL. Let's take, a, take for example, you have a player that is skilled in the area of a running back or a tight end. Bill Belichick, if you come to play with the New England Patriots, they'll take somebody who was a, a running back or a tight end and they'll make you a defensive end. So in other words, people who have a certain skill set, he kind of he moves them around. And you know what those guys do? They come over there with the mind. They know it's all about the team. And you know what they do? They have a guy who may have played in, on another team who might have been a running back, but when he comes over here, we need you over here. We need you to be a defensive end because that's what the team needs right now. How many know that somebody, how many know that somebody come to you and say, well, well you know what, I, I need you to help, uh, I, I need you to help uh, clean the toilets at, at, at the church. How many know that you don't need to be, uh, it ain't my anointing. That ain't my gift. <laughs> my gift ain't that. My, my gift ain't help pulling no chair. God ain't called me to set no chairs up and put them down, but you sitting in one. But God ain't, I understand all that. But God ain't called you to do that. But how do you know when you do what's best for the team? You serve. The Bible says in Mark 10, 43, Jesus says the greatest of these will be servants of all. How many know that we're going to have a great team? We have to just be available and be a servant. Be, yeah, you, you, we'll, we'll accept your gift and you're going to function your gift. But how many know every now and then we're going to ask you to play out of your position? <laughs> I'm preaching good now. We got, hey, we need you over here. Well, well you know, Pastor, that ain't my gift. Well, uh, I know I need your gift, but right now, won't you just, won't you just, uh, uh, just, just have a temporary gift and come away and help out, and then you can go back to your original <laughs> gift when you're done. And serve. How many know we're going to have, come on, y'all know I'm telling the truth. If we're going to have a successful team, you got to be available. You got to serve wherever we need you. Amen. Well, but I don't want to, it's amazing. I, mean, I don't want to do that. What does that mean? You don't want to do that. Jesus, if he died and came from heaven, who created all things, and the Bible said he humbled himself to the point of death, I better dare not try to put a limit on God. Or I ain't going to do that. I'll do whatever God wants me to do. Ain't, I'm the pastor of his church. There ain't no area that I won't serve. Ask them brothers back there. I'll do the toilet. I'll help put up the chairs. I'll help clean. I'll come and set up. I'll come, I, I, everything. i do everything. I don't call. Listen, I don't separate myself from nothing. Because what's needed, how many know when it's about the team, it's about what makes the team succeed. So if the team need this to win, then I'm, put me in, coach. I'll do that, coach. I can't, I, I, I. I may not can do it like, like brother so-and-so, but, but coach, I'll give you my best. Put me in right there. I'll do that. I mean, no, that's the kind of 
That's a winning team right there. That's a winning team because it's about the team. It's not about your individual ego. Some people, watch it. Some people look at church and, and they look at it as, as this is just a place for me to get mine. To get yours to do what? What are you trying to do? I just want to get mine. Get mine for what? Because in the kingdom, it's all about sacrifice and dying. It's about taking some hits and standing up on your feet. It's about, going, it's about sometimes going to bed and not sleeping at night when you're serving in ministry. And yes, sometimes it's about getting your feelings hurt. When you come up in the ministry, that's what it's about. Sometimes all these things happen, but we're going to be a part of a team. We're going to be a great, successful team. Serve wherever is needed. Y'all have a great chance to do that day. We're going to have a picnic. I hope all y'all come. We're going to have a blast. And plus, y'all want to see the star of the show, right? Y'all want to see me. <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, but you have an opportunity to serve and have fun doing it. And if somebody say they have a need, don't be telling nobody that they need your gift. Look, I know what your gift is, I think. Some of you got 15, 20 gifts. Be available, amen? amen. And help the team out. Because you're a team. It's about the team. Watch this. Number eight, all members of the team must be committed. How many know if you're going to have a winning team, you got to be committed? You got to be committed. Got to be committed. How many know if you're not committed to something, you're not dedicated to it, you're not going to be a good team player? And you know who the folks are that's not committed, right? On the, on the team, they don't want to show up for rehearsals. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all not helping me preach this morning. Okay, somebody please help me. Y'all know on the team, when people don't want to, and they're not committed, they don't, when they do show up, they don't give their best. All right, they slacking. All right, they're supposed to run five laps, they're going to run two. Because they're going to take their time and try to act like it, because they're, they're giving half-hearted stuff. They're there, they show up, and then, and then when they show up, they show up like, I did you a favor by coming. <laughs> you ought to be glad, Pastor. I showed up. You think too highly of yourself. I mean, you know, that when you're committed to something, it is shown by your excellence by how you do things. If you had been a sloppy, bummy job, first of all, I got to ask the question, are you committed to the Lord first? Because you know when you serve the Lord, I mean, we all first serve the Lord. If you're not, if you're not committed to the Lord, then I can't expect a whole lot from you. Amen. I'm talking to the people that's committed to the Lord now. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you're committed to the Lord, then you're committed to me. Amen. And you got to love me whether I, you like me or you don't, or whether I beat you. And well, when I beat you, you got to love me. Hallelujah. Somebody said it never happened. I mean, we need commitment. Commitment is the key to any successful team. You got to come to rehearsal. You know what rehearsal is for church? Coming to church. How are you going to know how to execute? And nothing more frustrating for a pastor than to preach on something all week and, and labor it in the word. And then have somebody the next week come up and say, I got this problem that I just preached on last week. Man, why won't you at the game? Why won't you at rehearsals? So now you're going to make me change my whole schedule to sit here to address a problem I spent Saturday five hours preparing to feed you. Amen. Amen. Y'all, you see what I'm saying? 
That said, with all the love I can muster. Commitment. You got, if we're going to be a successful team, everybody got to show up for rehearsal. Just show up. And when you show up for rehearsal, give it your best. Because you know when you're slacking and everybody else knows when you're slacking. And you know, God, God, you know, and God will put a slacker. Listen, God will use you, but God will also, he know how to put you on the shelf. And if you get put on the shelf, it ain't because uh, God wants you on the shelf. It's because you want to be on the shelf. Because if you're committed, you show it. You get involved and you give God your best. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so who, who's, who's paying attention this morning? Raise your hand. Who read it? Now, I'm ready. To, now, now last, last week we did terrible at this. All right, here we go. So here are the eight ingredients we need to have a successful team. Number one, what is it we need? Number two, nice and loud. Number three. Number four. Number five. Number six. Number seven. And number eight. Amen. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Lord, we thank you this morning for, Lord, you're reminding us, Lord, that we're part of a, the team. First of all, Lord, we thank you that we're part of heaven's team. Hallelujah. That we have been saved and we have been blood brought and that we have fathered this treasure and earth investor and we have eternal life. God, we thank you, Lord, for taking us off the devil's team. For, Lord, before you came, Father God, we were being held captive by the devil and we were his servants. But God, you called us and, and you put us on your team. And God, your team is the winning team today. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that, you're on the win that we're on the winning team today. If you're sitting here today and you know you're not on the right team. First of all, we, we say the right team this morning. I want to first qualify in, in this sense. That if you're here this morning and you know that you are not on the team of Jesus Christ. And you'll know if you're on the team of Jesus Christ because you have confidence that if you die today, that you will spend eternity with him. You know it in your heart of hearts if you know him. But if you say to me, Pastor, I'm not sure that if I die today, I have no idea where I'm going to end up. I don't know what team I'm going to be on. I suspect, Pastor, that, that I, I may be on the wrong team. If that's you this morning, Jesus loved you. He died for you. He wants you so much. He loves you so much. You see, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to receive him today. This is, this is about you and him. This is about your eternal destiny. This is about being on the team of glory. Is there one who would say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. I don't know him. But I want to know him today. Is there one? Man, woman, boy, girl, doesn't matter. You're not confident that you know him. I want to pray with you. Slip up your hands and receive him today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And perhaps the Holy Spirit has convicted you who are believers that, that you're a part of the team and maybe you're part of more specifically, the team here at Foundation Church, but, but you haven't quite 
stepped up and done your part. Maybe you have been holding out. Maybe you have been um, not very helpful. Maybe you have, haven't encouraged and built up. Maybe, or maybe you just feel like that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you that you need to be just more a part of the team. If that's you this morning, I want to just slip your hand up. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, just slip your hand. Slip up your hand. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about that and you want to be more of a team player, I see that one hand. I see that two, second hand. I see that third hand. I just want to be more of a team player. That's great. That's great. That's great. I want to ask you all, everyone who raised their hand, just come to the altar right up front. Hallelujah. That's right. You just want to be more of a team player. And the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today to do that. The altar means a place of change. Every time you come to the altar, what it means is that you're making a fresh commitment to God. That's what you're doing. By standing up here this morning, these people and anybody else, if you feel led of the Holy Spirit, then please don't hold out. But when you come to the altar, the altar means to be altered, to be changed. At this moment, you're saying, Lord, I'm going to take heed to your voice and I'm going to do something different. That's what this is, this is about this morning. So I want you to mean it from your heart. God knows your heart. And God want to use you today. Let's lift your hands up with me. Every one of you at the altar. And I want you to repeat after me nice and loud. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I thank you, I thank you for, calling me for calling me into the body. Into the body. I, thank you I thank you for giving me gifts. Giving me gifts. I, thank you I thank you for making me, for making me your, son your son and daughter. daughter. Lord God, Lord God use, me. use me. I'm ready, I'm ready. to step forward. step forward. I commit in a new way to be used by you to encourage, to build up my brothers, my sisters, and my church. Father God, use me. Hear my prayer. I'm yours. I'm making a change today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God a praise. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. Amen. The rest of you all can stand up. Hallelujah. Come on, stand up, church. Come on, give God another praise. <laughs>